Hey there, everybody. James here to provide a quick intro to this episode. It's part two of our two-part Twitter space conversation around the Frank Lampard appointment. If you haven't already gone back and listened to part one, be a good time to pause, scroll back in your podcast feed, and find the most recent episode before this, which contains the first half of this conversation. Second half runs about 30 minutes, and we just wanted to split it up to make it a little more digestible for you guys. Do whatever you want, but do reach out and give us some feedback if you enjoyed this format. It's obviously trying something a little different from our typical episodes. Do some more listener engagement, which we really enjoy, and get more people involved in the show. Anyone with a Twitter account can join, so definitely check it out. Feel free to follow us on all social media. You can find that at linktr.ee slash usatoffeepod. And remember to subscribe to the show and leave a rating or review on your platform of choice. That would help us out a ton and is much appreciated. Let's get into the second half. source for stateside views on Everton Football Club, hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams. All right, let's get, uh, we've got Richard's been waiting for a while, patiently, which we appreciate, so let's bring Richard up. Richard looks like he's in London. Richard, can you hear us? (coughs) I can. Hi, guys. Firstly, can I say thank you for the podcast, which I, I listen to a lot, and I really, I really enjoy it. So, thank you for that. Appreciate it. Uh, can I can I, so can I answer Ryan's question first of all about why there was such concern? I think around Vitor yeah, Pereira, and I, th- I, really and I, I thank you. I, I think I think there's two things. I think there's two things for me. I think number one, it's the sense of what has this guy done done recently in any kind of credible level of football? Because we're, we're winning the league in Portugal. Yeah, it is an achievement. I don't, I don't want to knock that, but again, it did feel a long time ago in very different circumstances in football. And after after that, it felt like a whole range of, of very bit, very bitty appointments. It did feel, you know, at risk of another. Can, can I qualify that just real quick yeah. and then please talk? Um, I, I was saying it more relative to Frank. I mean, I, I do want to be very clear. Like, I wouldn't have interviewed either guy. You know what I mean? So I don't think his resume is amazing. That that's my only point is though. If I kind of look at what Frank did, I'm like, eh. And then I look at what Victor said. I'm like, eh. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's a degree. It's more the comparison between the two. I just don't want people to misinterpret what I'm saying. But continue, please. No, no, and, and understood. And, and I agree with you, by the way. That, no, I, I wouldn't have interviewed either of them either. However, uh, I think the other concern about Vitor Pereira was he was very, very clearly putting, you know, he, he would have only been interviewed for the job because of his links to Keir Jirabchian. And he would have very, very clearly put us in, and a bit like Nuno Spirito Santo, put Wolves absolutely in the Mendes camp. Yeah. The, the, in, the, close, the close institutional relationships between the two, I think, would have meant that, you know, would have strengthened Jarabchin's power base. Whereas at the moment, I think we may have some slightly more independent decision-making, one, one hopes. Yeah, that's what I felt too, by the way. That, that was kind of my immediate, and, and that's a legit outrage, I think. So, so mo- moving on, I, I agree Frank Lampard is not the most inspiring choice of manager. He was my favourite of the ones we interviewed, but I completely agree with others who said that there were far better managers out there who we probably could have could have got. But the talk of the coaches he wants to bring in is interesting, and that actually gives me some encouragement. The fact he's clearly identified the need for a specialist set-piece coach, which you guys and you know a lot of people have been talking about as an 
absolute need for ages. Davide Ancelotti did very well on our set pieces last last season, and that made the marginal gains and us winning a whole number of points that we wouldn't have otherwise have got. Well, I think that's one of the big differences between last season and this, and I think that you know it does feel a more modern and progressive setup that that he wants to bring in than we had under Benitez, albeit it could hardly have been worse. And I, th- I think it's been said that, and given the core of our playing squad, as enormously imbalanced and stupidly put together as it, as it has been, is still a fair bit better than a lot of the teams around us. You know, n- None of the other teams down, down where we are in the league have players of the quality of Richarlison or DCL or Pickford or, or Mina or others. So as long as they stay fit, it only takes an average manager for us to stay up. I have real worries about what happens if some of those leave next year and we replace them using the kind of chaotic system of buying players that we've, we've employed over the last four or five seasons. And I think that's that then becomes a real risk. But I hope now we've got something we can start to build around. I think my, my real appeal to Evertonians is we start, start to show some patience. It's not going to go smoothly. Mistakes will get made. But we, unless it's clearly absolutely catastrophic and, and the team has fallen apart, as it clearly had done under Rafferty, as it clearly had done under Marco Silva when he went, uh, that we show, we show some patience because you know, it's, not, it's not an original point, but it, it's an important one. You know, we see Arsenal growing under Arteta now, but there's plenty of points he could have gone. You know, I, I'm old enough to have actually been at the match between Nottingham Forest and Man United. That if Ferguson had lost, he'd have been fired. And look what happened. They they just about won it. And look what happened to them. And you know, I, I do think now some stability is absolutely critical if we can get a setup that is resilient enough to bear the weight that it, that it needs to. Yeah, I think I think that's really well well said, Richard. And we've been crying out for stability for so long, and that's why I think when Marcel Brands went, I started to have really really serious concerns because for all the criticisms that you can you know throw at him, he did offer at least some sort of stability, manager over manager. And then when we gutted that for Rafa's sake, it really yes, complete, completely. I completely agree, and I think the. And, and so we were left, as you say, the kind of ludicrous series of decision-makings of throwing all of our weight uh, behind a guy, selling one of our best players because they'd had a falling out, getting rid of the director of football, and then then sacking him, albeit that was two or three months too late. Only a few weeks later, this left us in this dreadful position we're in now. The embarrassing shambles of the way we've gone around the managerial appointment. I mean, really, you know... It's it's joke, you know. We're a bit of a joke club at the moment, and that you know we're an embarrassment, and that none of that gives us, yeah, gives us any pleasure at all. But I think that, and I think there's no quick way out of the size of the hole that we're in. It's critical we stay up this season. Goes without it goes without saying. I, I think we're strong enough to do that, but we have to recognise how far, how many years we are away from really, really competing at the top. And, you know, but we've got to start somewhere. No, I think that's exactly right. Unfortunately, it feels like we've been, you know, three, four or five years away from competing at the top for six years now, you know, since Farhad Moshiri took over. Paul Viesk has talked about this extensively. When when Moshiri came in, he spoke of a tight window to compete at the top of the league. And we don't seem, we seem further away from that goal now than we did when he first took the reins. 
But I, I think you you hit the nail on the head, Richard, that really stability with virtually anyone outside of Rafa Benitez puts us in a better position in the long term. Um, and that's why I'm encouraged by Frank the Frank Lampard appointment. I'm encouraged by the Tim Cahill rumors. And as you said at the top in regard to the assistant coaches, that does give me um, some confidence that, you know, there was the rumor, I can't remember, someone uh, Chelsea-oriented tweeted out that he's been spending the last several months compiling, building out a capable and, and well-rounded backroom staff for whenever the next job would arrive. And Anthony Barry is a great example of that. There's been some other coaches who, you know, there are a lot of coaches who are on his staff that are still at Chelsea that may be interested in following him. Um, That's a good point. Think about it. I mean, we may take advantage of the fact that Tuchel's pretty hard on people. I mean, that, that could be a really advantageous thing that I didn't think about that people brought up. So, that's what's great about these spaces, right? You guys make us all think. I, I really appreciate it. That that's an angle I didn't really think about. Exactly. So so it doesn't have to be just Frank Lampard the same way it wasn't just Carlo Ancelotti. People have talked a lot about his son. Richard mentioned him. So if you can build out, a, a, it's a team, right? It's a team effort. It's not just the manager. The manager oversees everything and has his own roles and responsibilities. But if he can build out a good backroom team, that would at least be a step in the right direction, if nothing else. I, I think that I think that's right, and I think we've clearly under Benitez, we absolutely like that kind of structure around the coach. We lacked specialist set piece coach, which I think was crucial. We, but we also we lacked all of the kind of setup of a modern football club. And I think we it does, you know, look, it's very early days. None of these appointments have been con- confirmed yet, so um, I may live to eat my words. But it does seem at least that Lampard, the rumours are Lampard is thinking in that direction. And I think you need at least that structure around the manager when the rest of the setup of the club is so weak, uh, because then at least you've got some sort of basis to to plan around. Because you know, if we then can get Tim Cahill in, in some sort of technical capacity with some sort of respect in the club that allows him to try to influence Mashiro's decision making a little bit, we end up with a of football and there's is it Max Ebel he's a German guy who's become available he's incredibly highly rated you know there, there are some very very good people of people real question for me is how ultimately we try to rein in the worst instincts of the owner to disappear for months and months and then come and interfere and micromanage to an incredible like ridiculous degree uh, and try to get some consistency in the st- and have a club strategy and how we try to persuade Mashiri that his money will best be spent. He, you know, he's going to make money the more and more he leaves the experts to get on with it in a way that actually the, the guys at Man City do is appointed people they trust and uh, get on with it. Mashiri's invested an incredible amount of money, something like £700 million. Pounds. I mean, an enormous amount of money. Uh, and we're, we're, you know, the team is worse than the one he inherited, and that has to mean, you know, that has to mean something to him. He has to recognise that and start putting in place a structure that actually means we can start making rational decision making around a long term strategy. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think part of me thinks that Moshiri just has to figure that out for himself. Like he has to see how much money he has wasted thus far, and the position that Everton football club are in currently and say to himself that it's not good enough. Um, You know, we talked about um, a scenario on the show a bit ago in regards to, you know, Moshiri trying to hire a director of football. If he actually decided after this, 
you know, um, coveted internal review process. And, you know, something I kind of thought about was what happens if, you know, he gets three or four guys in there for interviews and they ask why Marcel Brands walked, you know, or they understand based on reports that, you know, Marcel Brands essentially had no um, decision making power. Then what happens if a bunch of them just say, okay, well, I definitely don't need this then. Like, that is not the point of my role. Like, what if they have a backbone, they see what happened to Marcel Brands and the feedback based on, you know, based on the feedback he gets, even when he's trying to hire a director of football, you know, I feel like that could be a scenario, although extreme in which it could persuade him like, okay, so maybe I really do need to pick the best, best person for the job and, and fully trust how they're going to run um, the football club based on, you know, the ideation that they're selling me in these interviews. Um, and obviously, hopefully, based on their CV and not outside influence from his uh, mystical buddies. That, that, that has to be right, because no, no credible director of football worth their salt would take the job, given all the rumours circulating now around Everton, without having absolute cast-iron guarantees about their role and knowing that they need to walk really quickly if it turns out that those those any promise they get during the kind of appointment process are not are not realised. Because I think, you know, the fact is, if we're talking about it in Twitter spaces, football's a small industry and everyone in the, in the business will know. And therefore, there will be real difficulties in recruiting a new, a new director of football unless people are, uh, yeah, unless absolute cast-iron guarantees will be given, given to the new person. They all know. I mean, it's literally openly talked about in spaces. Yeah. Right. So anyway, um, Richard, I really appreciate you... Uh, Thank, thank you. With us and the contribution for sure. Hey, Freeman, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Sorry, I'm uh, battling COVID right now. Oh. It's hard to understand me. Sorry. Uh, but that. really appreciate the podcast and uh, really love what you guys do and your spin on things. Um, but to kind of go off uh, of the last guy, um, we talk all the time about continuity and how, as you know, Everton fans, we want continuity as a coach. I think that that is the biggest worry that I have with the Lampard hiring um, because he's obviously, it's been reported like two years plus an option or, or something along those lines. But without having a DOF, like, are we just digging ourselves a deeper hole here? Are we limiting ourselves on what DOF we can hire because we have Lampard and we see him as the future? Um, so that was probably the biggest worry for me over Lampard versus Pereira as Pereira would have been more of a short term. Um, higher and then we could bring in a DOF and another manager potentially, you know, in the summer. Uh, but just, you know, I'll hang up, listen, but, uh, you know, just give me your thoughts on, on that. And lastly, like, are we even going to hire a DOF? We haven't heard anything about it since the quote unquote strategic review. So, you know, where, where are our thoughts on that? Yeah. So I, I will say um, definitely echo the sentiment that like, we haven't even heard concrete, um, you know, and, and not even any whispers throughout like media as to whether for sure we're going to go for another DOF. Um, I will say if I'm being the most optimistic fan I can be, then I would not rule out the extremely slim possibility that, you know, maybe they have a DOF lined up and maybe Lampard's name was already discussed. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, not announced or anything, I find it, you know, very, very, uh, far-fetched considering we haven't you know there's not even been whispers of interviews or decisions on the process itself um so 
how how possible it is. I, I very much doubt it. But if we're going to be hopeful, I, I will I will take that route for sure. But it is a good point um, because you know I think I think how uh, someone else said uh, earlier. You know, Marcel Brands came into it short because of that fact. He couldn't choose the manager, and so two and a half years would certainly be a decent length of time. And on top of that, um, I don't know. We we discussed like the figures that Everton have paid. Uh, firing managers since Mercury took over, and I want to say it was don't don't quote me for sure, but I want to say it was like thirty eight million pounds or something, um, just paying off contracts canceled early. So I think it's safe to say that um, every appointment, especially with our FFP issues, um, moving forward needs to be at least productive, uh, without a doubt. I think that's well said, Alex. Um... And I appreciate the question, uh, A. Freeman. Well, we just we just haven't heard anything. We've we, we've heard there's a strategic review. We know Tim Cahill's involved in some way, but it's kind of assumed that the board is conducting it. The same board that uh, you know people have compared it to a student grading their own homework, right? What type of accountability is there? And that's why I think the Tim Cahill thing is encouraging because although he is of course very close with Bill Kenwright and others on the board. He at least offers that outside perspective and experience in running academies and, and whatnot. Um, so hopefully they're at least consulting people outside of the club as part of the strategic review to try to identify things because I don't feel confident if it is, in fact, just the board looking and trying to evaluate where where it all went so wrong that they'll be able to pick up on anything in particular or like hold themselves to any degree of accountability, which is going to be critical. And, and again, to go back, plug it again, the 27 years campaign is so important to force and continue to vocalize the discontent with the the lack of forward progress that Everton have made. Not just under Farhad Mashiri, though that, of course, is the focus, but you look back when the Premier League was founded, where Everton were relative to the rest of the league and how much they've lagged behind some of these other clubs. And no, we're not the commercial juggernaut of a Manchester United, but we still, the, the name carried, I think, a tremendous amount of, of weight and in importance and prestige in English football. And it's just been, you know, people give Bill Kenwright a ton of credit for getting the club by on a shoestring budget, but where Everton were positioned, it just feels like they were never quite able to take advantage over all the, all these years. Um, so they're just, I, I think the accountability is important. I'm, I love Alex's optimism. I don't feel super confident that we have a director of football lined up, but you know, my wildest dreams and where Everton's a well-run organization, it's not outside the realm of possibility. Yeah. And I think just to kind of echo that is, you know, as an Evertonian and, you know, being quote unquote negative, maybe, um, just, just looking at another potential buyout, you know, when, you know, Frank keeps us up, but it's not, you know, maybe hopefully it's impressive, but if it's not, if it's not impressive, we bring in a DOF and maybe Frank's not his guy. So then, you know, we're off again on another buyout and another manager hunt. I'm hoping that's not the case. You know, I don't know, hoping... I don't know what choice you got though. That's the only problem, right? I mean, I agree with you, but that's right. like, you know, what, what choice do you have really? Cause I mean, exactly. and there's at least a chance he could fit going forward, but yeah, I, we, I mean, we, you got to share that, right? That's just a natural thing because you cannot come in and say, Hey, you could be DOF, but we're going to pick your manager. We already saw how that worked. And that's not how it works. I mean, that's that's missing the entire point of the DOF and their responsibility. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That's all I had. All 
All right. Well, we're coming up on just about 90 minutes, so I guess we'll put out a last call if anyone wants to come up and uh, wrap, bring us home here, wrap things up. We'd love to hear from people. Otherwise, we can close this out, and those of you across the pond can go about and enjoy your Saturday evening. And I will continue to be snowed in as we're expecting uh, one to two feet of snow in Maine. So that is, of course, not ideal, but I'm battening down the hatches over here and <laughs> hoping for the best. Yeah, we we got uh, three to four inches here in Southeast Virginia, and things are closed. So um, the sheer the sheer difference, I'm sure, between here and there is crazy, as we were talking about earlier. We don't even but, blink. Uh, we don't even blink unless it's like six plus inches. But anywhere, dude, I'm go ahead. I'm living for it. I'm living for it simply because it's an excuse to do nothing all day. Yeah, fair enough. Just to hang out on this space and chat with other Evertonians. Not a bad way to be uh, be snowed in. Looks like we have Michael Wagner, who I know was uh, requesting to come on earlier. So we'll get him in to bring us home. Hey there, Michael. Hey, guys. Yeah, thanks for having this space. Um, it's been great to listen to today. Um, like you said earlier, we haven't really talked about Duncan at all. And obviously, he's been a huge part of the club his you know entire adult life. Um, what are your thoughts about him You know, staying on for the rest of the year? Because... I kind of see it hard um, for him to like walk away right now. Like I don't think he would want to do that since we are in a relegation fight. And Lampard, you know, hasn't even seen these guys practice. Um, so, <laughs> like, what are your thoughts about that? And my second question is, um, with financial fair play and the fact we just spent thirty million dollars on two full bats that probably aren't Premier League ready right now, do we have any money to spend in the next two days? <laughs> Well, well, let's think, let's think about one of the advantages of, and it's not a good long-term thing, but in the short term, one of the advantages from a financial standpoint is buying someone in January. In essence, let's say you bought Mikolenko for $18 million. Let's say he's a five-year deal. So that's what roughly, you know, a little under $4 million a year in amortization. That's your expense hit, ignoring his salary. So if you think about it, you're only taking half of that because it's a half year. So, so the good part is um, the hit this year is lower than it would normally be if you bought someone in the summer. So it's something to consider. So there probably is enough wiggle room. But the the problem is we don't know what our starting point is. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's not just a break even. It could be worse. You know, it means we may have to make a lot more money. And I'm sure firing Rafa was not cheap considering the wages we were paying him. So um, I I, I don't think anyone knows that question for sure. Um, But that is at least a positive in the fact that, yes, we may have overpaid for these guys. Um, but at least the hit from a financial fair play standpoint should not be overly significant this year, at least thought that's worth saying. Okay. Yeah. And the reason I was interested in financial fair play is like, you look at our midfield and, you know, we have a bunch of eights and one sits who's played like, you know, 10 games in three years, maybe. <laughs> so yeah, obviously that's, that's crazy. Isn't it? I, mean, it makes sense. <laughs> I, I can't, I, yeah. I think the issue with Duncan is is a fair one. I mean, on one hand, he could help inform you and kind of get you up to speed more quickly. Uh, that being said, though, if you're a head coach and you're going into a, a team, do you want someone to dictate to you an assistant? Uh, I, I don't know if that's really fair, so hopefully they let Frank make his own decision. I'm not so sure they did that in the past. Um, and I actually think in many ways that would be a good sign of the Everton board, um, allowing people to, to do their job and, and have a sense of, self-determination I, I again i'm trying to find the silver lining here um i i mean put it this way if i'm frank geez i don't know i'd really want to bring in my own guys uh, no offense to duncan and look i mean 
Duncan, I think, is on decent wages too. I think he'll be okay, and and maybe Duncan needs an, his own push to go find himself his own gig somewhere. You know what I mean? Because there's nothing to say that he can't develop as a coach and and eventually come back. I think we'd all love to see him do well somewhere. Yeah, you know this this may not be a determining factor, right? But just kind of an, an interesting thought I had too. It's pretty much fair to say that Dunk has been. Uh, pretty much the only stable figure within the staff for a number of years for pretty much all of these players. Um, you know, they, they always say like, you, you know, you get, he gets the club and that sort of thing. Um, but I wonder what kind of effect that would have on the players if, if Dunk leaves and then you now have a full new staff again for the whatever, seventh time in six years or something, you know, stupid like that. You know, is that helpful or is it hurtful? I, you know, I, I don't know. Like I said, I don't think that would be a determining factor. Um, but I would be interested to see because he seems to have a really good relationship with uh, most players on the on the team. And, and I know a lot of the strikers, uh, you know, definitely say that he's helped. I mean, he's credited with uh, obviously helping Tom develop uh, the way that he did. And, you know, to the point about, um, you know, Michael, to your point about like transfers and our cap hit and if we're going to have money, um you know, looking forward to the summer, too. Like, there are rumors, for example, that Dominic, Dominic Howard-Lewin could be out the door. Um, you know, I think some people, including myself, were surprised that we still have Richarlison um, at Everton anyway. Uh, I think he probably deserves to be playing in Europe. So I do think that in the future we'll have some money to spend, but uh, hopefully we don't get stuck in that cycle of, you know, all you know, having the Lukaku money or the Stones money, but maybe not spending it in the, in the best way. So that's where we circle back to. Ideally, find, by then we have a, we have a good, we got to find the Arteta money first. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly that. No, Alex, I think, I think you raised some good points and, and Michael, thank you for the questions. Um, appreciate it. First, first on big dunk. I mean, as others have said, he's been a mainstay at the club. You be hard pressed to find a truer blue than Duncan Ferguson. But I do think at some point you start to ask questions like, he obviously wants the Everton manager job, but I think he maybe likes being at Everton too much to actually do what's necessary to get the Everton job. Cause if we we're going to appoint him as from assistant to, to manager, it would have been done by now. You'd think he's worked under all of these guys. He's observed, he's developed relationships with them. You know, the, the rumor that Carlo gave him a call the other day to, to chat, um, but yeah, I, I agree with Ryan. I think he does at some point need to step away and, go elsewhere to prove himself because he'll never really get the chance here and i think if you're bringing in a new manager you really want a clean slate and and to set them up for the most amount of success possible i think in some way you do have to finally give them the opportunity to do their job and it's unique that everton have imposed him on all of these managers and i guess there's some benefit because in the back of our mind we've been thinking okay well what if we have to fire this guy in 18 months he he has been the constant but i hope that duncan someday does manage everton i hope he goes elsewhere and has success as a first team manager to prove himself um and then to in regard to the the mention that alex made about the sales of players i think that's inevitable and staring us down the face and i was thinking about this quite a bit the other day and my thought was i I was scared it was like a, a paralyzing fear in some ways that we could end up in the summer having to sell maybe worst case, both DCL and Richarlison. And that's obviously a huge influx of cash. 
But how do we spend that money if it's Frank Lampard and Farhad Mashiri making the transfer decisions, right? We we re- I'm I would have been thrilled if we could have done that with a director of football in place, and then you've got essentially the funds to go about a massive squad rebuild. I think we desperately need. But if you're not spending that money strategically, we saw what happened following the departure of Lukaku where we spent diabolically bad and it's really continuing to hurt us to this day. We still have contracts, even though they're dwindling down finally for guys that we bought during that era. So Everton just have to get smarter. It's, it's really that simple and it, it's not always easy, but I think there's some very basic steps that can be taken that we've discussed here um, to set us up for success in the long term. And I hope that the board continues to engage with fans and listen and understand their past mistakes and, and move forward. But uh, Michael, any, any final thoughts before we let you go? Um, yeah, just my last final thought is I think Ryan was right that it should be Frank's decision if Dunk stays. Um, and even then I think Dunk should leave in the summer um, just because like you said, it would be nice to have him as a manager one day. And if he does leave in the summer, maybe he takes Unsworth with him and we can have someone run our academy. So, No, but that's your point. I mean, you, it's just like the same thing with the DOF. I mean, do you think Brands would have hired David Unsworth to run the academy? No, of course not. So, I mean, that, that's got to be the director of football's decision. I mean, otherwise, you know, how can you sit there and hold him accountable for doing his job? So I, I would be, put it this way, if we do eventually move for director of football, and I, I, I think we will. I'd be shocked if we didn't. I really would because that would just be borderline insane to me and I, I think knowing that frank's going to be there in the summer i hope he is i'm assuming we're going to stay safe uh, maybe i should assume that um if that's the case i mean frank seems like the guy that's perfectly fine under that arrangement um if that is the case i would be very surprised next year if david unsworth continued in that role uh, that would be frankly disappointing to me and no offense to david i mean it's you know he didn't create the structure he was just doing his job as he knew it to be but he shouldn't have to walk down and tell the you know Head coach. The fact that he's the head coach and the director academy to me is is very strange. I mean, that does happen some places, but you shouldn't have to go there and tell him, "Hey, you got to play first team tactics." I mean, what what is that? I'd be shocked if he was still there uh, under under regular DOF, but we'll see. All right. Well, I think that's a a good enough place as any to to wrap. Um, really appreciate everyone who tuned in. Anyone who's sticking with us, uh, if you would do us a favor and give the American Toffee Podcast account a follow and follow all of us. Try to follow everyone back. Um, if you want to find the podcast, you can find all of our links and everything at linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. And if you want to join our Discord server, which is a wonderful community of top Evertonians, you can find that at invite.gg slash ATP. Hope to connect with you guys there and hopefully uh, on a space very soon. Thanks to everyone who came up and spoke did an awesome job had a lot of fun with this and i'm assuming alex and ryan did too thanks again and appreciate it and hopefully brighter days ahead for evertonians as i said at the top feels like the storm cloud is lifted and we can at least look ahead to uh, better things ahead any other thoughts alex and ryan before we sunset this space yeah, it was, a, it was a ton of fun. Really appreciate everyone tuning in and, and everyone contributing. Also, just to piggyback off James, too, I mean, if there was anything that you thought was uh, interesting or a point you wanted to bring up, um, tweet at us in general. Like, I'd love to hear your thoughts about the space um, and, and the discussion points. James and I were talking off the air about how it was kind of disappointing. Like, even if, if maybe you're not, like, a speaker, there wasn't, like, a chat box or a, a chat um you know, a live chat for everyone to, you know, 
type in and, and give their thoughts that way too. So would love to hear from you all if you have any um, as well. I would encourage joining the Discord too. I mean, honestly, we're pretty active there too. I just think it's a fun community and it's pretty well controlled. You know, it's no trolls really in there it, for the most part. It's, it's really good dialogue. And that's why I like Twitter too. And I'm really appreciative of everyone that continues to listen. We'll just keep working hard to, you know, continue to bring you the content that we are. All right. And with that, again, hope everyone enjoys the rest of their Saturday evening or afternoon. Stay tuned for uh, this episode to drop of the podcast shortly. And we'll be coming out with something probably shortly after deadline day as well. So stick around and yeah, hope everyone enjoys their day and up the toffees.